Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Trust podcast, dedicated to those taking the challenging road to bring positive ideas to society. My name is Asim Ishak. I'm an award-winning entrepreneur and inventor. I've worked with government, corporates, billionaires, and I've led startups to raise millions to commercialize their innovations. But I have seen way too many business failures. So I created the Entrepreneur's Trust to bring reality to the startup world and help protect innovators from failure. I work with entrepreneurs, coaching them to commercialize. I'm a consultant for growth, and I deliver failure-beating seminars with universities and accelerators. This podcast is my way of sharing great lessons from experts and leaders that I respect for our successful entrepreneurial journey. So sit back, relax, and listen in. This is one of the tastiest conversations that I've had on my podcast. My guest today is a co-founder with her sister of one of the most delicious gluten-free, wheat-free, and dairy-free caterers that I've had the pleasure to enjoy. Their company is a multi-award winner, successfully growing their events catering offer. But like many people right now, her business and her business model, which is really an in-person offer, was hit hard by the pandemic and COVID-19. And I hope all of you are getting through this as best you can and are keeping well and healthy. But together with her sister, Rena, they decided on their own answer to the pandemic. So this will be a mouthwatering conversation for many reasons. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome my guest today, Gita Salhan of Green Sisters to the Entrepreneur's Trust podcast. Gita, thank you very much and welcome to the Entrepreneur's Trust podcast. Thanks for having me, Asim. Um, yeah, it's great to be able to share my story. Yeah, let's start there. I mean, you've got a fantastic corporate background. You work for Amazon, which is going through the roof in terms of business and it's backdating deliveries and it's stocked up and you can't get the stuff anymore. You work for GlaxoSmithKline. You work for Reckitt Binkiza. You work for a huge number of corporates. So how did you find yourself working for yourself? Well, I think it starts from my own personal experience. So just talking to you a bit about my personal journey before I started on working for any of those large corporates, um, I was diagnosed as a celiac. Um, actually, even before my time at GSK, which was a, a placement year at university, mm-hmm. um, I went through a process of really struggling and being challenged with my diet, which at the time, uh, there wasn't really much knowledge about allergies and intolerances. You know, that was a good 15 years ago now. And it was something that I was really passionate about making sure got better because when I was at university, I actually had such a challenging time being faced with lack of nutrition, lack of access to food that really wasn't available in a takeaway environment. I'm living the student life, but gaining, you know, all these friends and experiences. But actually, at the end of the day, I'm struggling to actually feed myself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's a real basic of life, but you're not able to do that. So I knew that there was something important that really came along with my responsibilities in life. I needed to make sure I helped people who were, you know, in a position that was similar to mine. So the start of my business, the thinking behind what I wanted to do in the future, actually the seed was planted back at university. So back then, I don't think I had the ability financially to be able to go out and do that, but also the experience, you know. So I funnily enough, wrote my dissertation at university on biosensors, believe it or not, on being able to detect mm-hmm. gluten in diets. Now, this was in 2003, if I remember correctly. So, um, you know, ahead of the game. So I reckon that 
there's a lot of experience to be had in terms of when the product is right Mm -hmm. and also when you've got the right experience. So if I fast forward then to my um, experience in those companies, each and every single one of them, um, in the back of my mind, I knew I was always considering and thinking, how can I and when shall I break out into my own business um, where I can actually support the groups of people that I'm really passionate about creating, you know, um, some sort of infrastructure to be able to help. So yeah, I've been quite fortunate in my career. I um, went off and um, having had a a degree in chemistry, I went off and um, worked in sales capacities because I quite enjoyed the interaction with different human beings. So for me, I'm a people person. I was recognizing the skills I had and just really creating, you know, really good relationships with people, which I think is possibly where the most of my work has been and the reason I've been so successful at it. And really worked for those organisations that had some value to give that I really believed in. So I suppose from my perspective, um, although the dream started in 20 or 2003, sorry, um, many, many years ago, um, every single time I was going into a position since then, I always had um, a skill behind me that was going to enable me to help my business um, as it grew and, and in the future. So fast forward to 2014 when um, first decided that the tight's either now or never. I was actually working and just finished working for uh, the healthcare company Reckitt Benkiza. Um, and what they do is they manufacture lots of healthcare product, um, things like Dettol, which is very much the now, um, but also, um, you know, Nurofen, Gaviscon and, and all of those types of, of products. And what I learned from that role was I was a training manager um, that lots of people were really feeling supported by me um, and I was getting a lot of value um, from doing that. So yeah, I continued to help support people, um, but I wanted to do it for myself now rather than doing it for that organisation. I'd been responsible for lots of sponsorships and lots of other different things. So for me, um, it was the right time to sort of help people in a cause that was, you know, something that was really at the heart of why I'd got all of that experience in the first place. So you're one of those mission-driven entrepreneurs that has a cause, and it's that cause that's motivated you to to go into business, or actually not really go into business, to find an answer that you couldn't otherwise see. And that's the start, the foundation of everything you do. And I think it's really interesting. I meet people that want to go into business, want to go into business. They don't know what, to, what business they want to do. And what I usually say is, what's the problem you're trying to solve? Or find a problem that's big enough worth solving. And you started off with a problem that you had yourself. And because you have it yourself, you use the word community, and that community is, you're part of that community. And that makes it so much easier, doesn't it, in building a solution that meets the needs of that community. So you've now created this mission for yourself. And what was the business offer? And then I'd like to know what the business model was in that business offer. Yeah, I think we started off very different to where we are now, even before, obviously, the current circumstances we're in, um, in that the offer was simply tailored to people who had allergies and um, who were gluten-free, who had um, a combination of diets, so it was still egg-free. But a lot of people don't associate vegetarianism to being free of eggs, so we were, we were free of three things, and 
um, you know, my social media has just changed to Green Sisters underscore official. But if you fast forwarded um, two months back, you'd realise that we were Green Sisters three free because we were free from gluten, free from, uh, we were vegetarian and we were egg free. And those were three things that I was challenged with. But being in front of our customers um, on the very first show we went to, we realised that we were being asked by lots of other um, people that were, you know, suffering with a gluten intolerance or an allergy that they actually were also nut free or sulfite free or one of the other allergens that the Food Standards Agency regulate. And our product products in most of those scenarios were already free from that allergen. And in others, we were having to innovate to make sure that we could cater to them. Because I guess the reason why I exist, why Green Sisters is even um, a successful business is because we're unique in understanding that the exclusion that you feel through not being able to eat is so important. Um, it can lead to lots of, you know, mental health issues, which I don't think is discussed as much. Um, it can lead to people feeling isolated, just like we are now. Imagine you're in a room where everybody's able to eat from a buffet. You're in a corporate position even, or maybe it's a room full of your friends, it's a gathering, or you're at your own wedding or somebody else's wedding, and you cannot partake in that um, occasion because you can't feel comfortable or safe to be um, eating it's very isolating so there's there's things that, that there are issues that we almost that underpin the reasons behind everything we do so whilst I had been excluded because I was gluten-free I recognized my audience had been excluded because they were also maybe had a different allergy or a different intolerance and we wanted to make sure that in general that all of those you know, allergens or intolerances, the main ones, I guess, it's very difficult to do absolutely everything. There's over 100 allergies, you know, that, that are reported in the UK. Um, but the main ones that present in hospitals that we were able to cater to so people could start to eat together again. And that really has underpinned the mission and all of our innovation in our products. So what was the business model that you used to actually get your products out to the audience and your community? Funnily enough, this is quite a funny story. Um, we went to what I call Timbuktu, which, sorry for those of you who are from Scotland, I, I don't mean it in a bad way, but, you know, for me, I just didn't want to present badly. You know, I, through being, um, you know, quite well known in my corporate career, I kind of wanted to make mistakes without people actually noticing that I had made them. So what I mean by that is we did our very first allergy and free from show up instant where I probably knew probably two or three people and I could test my model and understand what people actually really wanted um, and lo and behold we went up it's the very first time I, I took um, a van I'd never driven a van before it was actually a frozen storage vehicle so I had a ton of products that were frozen um, they ranged not just um, they weren't actually all Indian so we hadn't gone out with a concept of being authentic Indian what we'd gone out with is knowing that we had an audience to serve and that we wanted those people to really enjoy what we had within our portfolio. So we took out with us wraps, we took out with us obviously samosas, we took out with us bargies, we took out with us, you know, English flapjacks, you know, various different things and presented them to the audience. And what they really loved was the products that had really good flavour and that were with an Indian authentic twist. 
Um, so our model was literally putting the consumer at the heart of everything we do. And that's always been the model we use. And touching on Amazon, if you look at why Amazon is actually really successful, it's because they serve their customers first. Their customer experience is at the center of everything they do. And, and we've almost tried to emulate that because we believe that that should be the way that people do business. You didn't start out trying to be a Indian food business. No. That's, that's kind of what your customers have told you, that they want you to be. And I declare that I have tasted your food. It is amazing. And actually, when, when I went to the, the event um, where you were catering, I didn't even know that the food was a special type of food or it, it didn't have certain things in it that other people would appreciate or couldn't appreciate. For me, it just looked like a really interesting buffet of food. And what I did realize that it's all vegetarian and I, I'm a pescatarian and I thought, wow, somebody's put on a buffet of food that I, and I can eat everything I want to. Not that I ate everything, but I ate a little bit of most <laughs> of it and it was all really good. So, because you know what, it's really interesting. You often meet innovators that are scientists or boffins in the nicest way possible. And they've created something, but they never test it until it's far too late. And what you did, you tested early. So the ta- the food is amazing. And I've got to say, your chocolate samosas are ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, come on. How the hell did you come up with a chocolate samosa? Firstly, samosas, if you haven't tried them, are like Cornish pasties for everybody in the Asian um, subcontinent. And then you put chocolate in them. I mean, that's just ridiculously good. I'm a fan. And that's not why you're here. But um, Actually, it's, it's turned out to be a Halo product. And I'm really pleased about that because one of the things that a celiac in the early days was never short of was sweet food. But what we always realized is the sweet food that's out there is overly sweet. And again, listening to why can't we have savoury? Why is there nothing savoury out there? So obviously, we, we first lent our range to the savoury options. But then, you know, every now and then, I wanted something sweet. And I tend to have quite a savoury tongue. So I'm, I'm like, yeah, that's great. Spicy, brilliant, um, you know, savoury, fantastic. But if I do, when I'm out on the move, want to have something sweet, I don't want something that's filled with, you know, lots of sugar, filled with lots of nasty preservatives, I just want something that has really good chocolate, really good tasting chocolate that's wrapped in something that's not too bad for me. Um, And so we decided, actually, we need to make sure that those people who do want to indulge have still got something that's indulgent. But so we literally, and that's how it was created. We had no idea if it was going to go down well. It's like an experiment. That was one of the innovative products. It's, you know, we've gone with once we learned how to create our pastry, because at the end of the story about going up to Scotland was the product that actually was a nightmare for us um, was the samosa. It fell apart in the morning. We used to fry back then rather than actually um, bake, which is what we advocate now. Um, and in the morning, I had my mum and my dad both came up with me. So it was a real family affair. We had like four different friends who sort of just came along and supported. And then I also had a videographer to take uh, image and footage that I'm sure at some point he'll be um, he will actually probably or or bright because some of it is quite funny. Um, but the point being is, you know, we learned customers that the product that didn't even look like a samosa but tasted really great that had fallen apart in the morning when we were cooking it that we knew was a real hit. It sold out and people weren't bothered about the way that it was actually created. So we knew that we needed to tackle 
the research and development of that particular product because in the morning Rena and I were saying we're never going to make a samosa ever again yeah no, no lie mm-hmm. right this is an absolute nightmare product by the end of the day we were like that would be a tragedy <laughs> it was it was like oh my god we actually have to make samosas mm-hmm. and we were devastated in a way um but you know the market had spoken so you've just got to listen to your customers So we spent 18 months then just trying to work out how to get the perfect pastry because one thing our brand is about is high quality and good customer experience. So we didn't want to launch something that we weren't truly satisfied would actually hit the spot. So the pastry had to be perfect because working with gluten-free pastry, we still get lots of people come up to us now saying, how on earth have you made your samosas? And I will be honest with them in that I still have to follow the exact recipe to the tea because I couldn't even tell you, even if I wanted to, there is that much of an exact science behind the actual formula. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also our trade secret, so I'm not going to reveal it. <laughs> Having said that, once we got the pastry right, we then started Innovate Flavour, because ultimately everybody loved samosas. So why couldn't we have a pizza samosa? Why couldn't we have a chocolate samosa? And, you know, they tend to be some of our fastest lines now, which is great. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, so I want to bring us up to like three weeks ago when this pandemic hit home and the UK is seeing China going through lockdown. It's seeing Spain. It's being, it's seeing France. It's being, it's seeing Italy and we're going through lockdown and we're still fine, but we know it's going to come. How are you feeling about your business knowing that lockdown is going to happen here? Um, honestly, I'm fairly positive because the audience I serve is really the reason we exist and they are going to be needing food security right now. Um, So if, you know, at first it was quite uncertain because I know that there is, you know, financial implications to what's happened. In our strategy before um, all of this happened, we were just about to sign off our retail unit to be salsa accredited, which basically means we could sell into retail. And right now I should be pitching at retail. So I hadn't got my products into retail just yet which means that right now I have a bunch of customers who may well have allergies and intolerances that are in a position that they can't actually get to the supermarket. Um, Deliveries are impossible, pretty much. Nobody, including, you know, Joe Public, is really able to get to the front of a queue at the moment. Um, And so there will be people who are really needing a solution for that. So whilst it's a challenging time, if I know I can help my customers by pivoting and going more into my online sales, um, which is something we weren't ready for, something we hadn't planned for. Um, We had always traded online, but if I'm honest, it was part of my strategy, but it wasn't my focus. So we've almost had to fast forward to now. Um, Fast forwarding means that our website isn't perfect, um, but it works. My offering isn't in the packaging I want it to be, but I know that people need my food more than my packaging needs to be right. And there will be people who are maybe self-isolating that could have to self-isolate for 12 weeks. Because if you are a celiac, for example, you've probably got more than one um, health challenge. And most celiacs, diabetes, other autoimmune conditions, they all lie on the same um, gene, which means if you've got one, you might have the other as well. Um, It's not to say you will, but there will be people who are for 12 weeks having to self-isolate. So how do they get food? So our pivot has meant that um, we are now in a position where we're creating these food parcels, um, which are frozen foods that are a proper meal for dinner, for breakfast, for lunch, that you can actually 
that didn't exist this time last week, FYI. <laughs> they come from some elements of our portfolio, but we've had to recreate other areas of the brand and the products that we offer in order that customers that we serve to be able to have food available, ready in their freezer if they're not able to reach the supermarket that they are still comfortable in their homes. So I feel like my purpose is keeping me positive right now um, because I can't let it be just the business. You know, commercial is not what I'm dri- being driven by right now. It's it's actually the business need. So you you talk about the transition and how it was uncertain. Now, I just want to, if you don't mind, just share with the listener how you actually felt because I know when everything cancelled for me upon COVID becoming an issue as it was, it was a real panic. It was a real, what the hell's going on? All the work that I'm doing is now going to come to a crash. And and I frankly, I needed a moment to get myself together because I'd been doing a lot of preparation to this new stuff that I was going to do. And it all stopped. I had cancellations. Not only did it stop, I had cancellations. So things that I was preparing to use as next step, pink stones also stopped. And for my family, it was a real shock as well. So it didn't last a huge amount of time because I'm used to crisis. And for me, I've been in financial lockdown before, and uh, but it, it was not easy. So we've never had this pandemic forever in our lifetime. And just for the listener, Gita is quite a young lady. She actually is really, really old, but she looks really young. So I don't know which one <laughs> is Gita, whether you are old and you look young or you just, you are old, but you, you know, you've got wonderful cream or it's you, it's probably your food. Let's say your food is amazing and your clean living lifestyle makes you so, so young looking. So I'm going to stick with that. So, but we've never had this in, in our lifetime. Tell me how you actually felt when we were in, when lockdown was imposed upon us. Well, I'm quite a practical person. So first it was, oh, my God, how are we going to actually manage from a personal perspective? Um, you know, how am I going to make sure my family's safe? That was my first, if I'm honest, go to um, because we have a business that's basically surrounded by health and people's, you know, desire to help people to be healthy and to be, you know, in a good sort of state for whatever the world has, you know, to offer. Then it came to the business. And actually, at first, the penny didn't drop. But when it did, it did drop quite hard. And I suppose the first sort of thing that I realised was actually all of my business comes through the revenue streams that are currently being, um, you know, prevented from going ahead or have to for right reasons, you know, absolutely right. Um, They have to either be pushed forward. And these are actually in my calendar, my highest growing months. So January and February tend to be quieter times for us. And we're comfortable with that. But as soon as you hit to March, all of a sudden we sponsor events like the Free From Festival and we are sort of one of the busiest stands and various different, you know, events happen in our corporate and commercial calendar. So we were never in 2020 expecting that actually our year would never actually really kickstart financially properly. I had in the background at the beginning of the year started something called a 12-week plan, which was actually putting more focus on my website, weirdly, interestingly enough. Um, So I was doing some things behind the scenes um, to try and almost prepare my website so that people could shop on it. But I wasn't by any means putting in a strategy to be able to actually sell on it solely. So it was quite scary to know, I don't know actually where my next, um, you know, pound's going to come from for the business. 
But then I looked at it from a human perspective, and I think that that's the real shift that most of us are going through right now. It, it is unnerving. There is a lot of experience to be had. But if you put, bring yourself back to your purpose, you realize that actually you're solving a problem that is the genuine problem. And that problem and your purpose is there for a reason. So I really had to just revisit, actually, why do we exist? And, you know, what are those people actually experiencing right now? So I almost had to take myself out of my business and put myself back into my customer's shoes and see, actually, what are they experiencing that me as a consumer will be experiencing? And how can I help support them? Because more than anything right now, I want to actually make sure that the people that we serve are okay. And, you know, I think everybody is in the same boat. And that was another saving grace in a way. It's not to say that that's a good thing, because I'm sure lots of us businesses are really struggling to survive right now. But I'm quite fortunate that I've got links into lots of networks um, of different types of business groups where we're all trying to help and support each other um, through knowledge, through, you know, how best can we manage this situation? And there is some community in that. Um, and I think if you can remain true to your community, as in the people that you serve, as in, you know, in your business, as well as the community and helping support the people that almost you network or are your friends, family and associates, then you start to realize that this is bigger than just business. It's actually about what is your human purpose? What, are you, what is your value? Um, and how can you best make sure that the world continues to exist after and your business continues to exist after so right now um i guess we're looking at the short-term strategy but i'm also planning for when this finishes because it will um you know when we get to a point where we can work to a solution that will then mean that we can go into retail what does that new world look like so I suppose damage limitation really is 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 what got me through. And then I'll also put a shout out there to another business, which I think supported me massively um, in terms of mindset, because there is a piece about mindset. Now I'm talking to you about sort of the practical side of things, but ultimately you've got to convince your own mindset that everything will be okay. And up until last week, I didn't really realise how much influence my subconscious had over my conscious. And all that happened is I had a Zoom hypnotherapy session, a concept I would never, ever entertain. I don't believe in it, if I'm honest. It's very EBGB. And I guess I had a traditional thought process of it being maybe a pendulum that's being swung in front of you, which I thought was really far out. But I've heard positive things from other people who had experienced hypnotherapy. So somebody offered, and the great thing about right now is people are offering you lots of content free of charge. So grab everything and all the resources you can because you never know what's going to help you. Now, somebody offered me a free hypnotherapy session and I would never pay for one unless I knew something to work because for me, I like to try and test something before I go and buy it. And that's absolutely fine. Um, so I did. And I sat in my bedroom on Zoom, the most odd thing I was ever expecting to experience during this whole COVID process. Um, and a lovely chap called Steve, who runs a hypnotherapy business, which you know, is, is really, I think, something that everybody should maybe try if they're feeling a bit anxious or uncertain. He helped me to identify with my subconscious more. And my subconscious is the part of me that believes, um, that knows when I'm safe and knows how to keep me safe and knows about the history of how things turn out and whether I can cope. 
Um, but the conscious me is getting a downpour of information about what is going on out there and how dramatic, you know, people are being affected, which is all really important, you know, but you can almost become consumed by the amount of information that is surrounding you about COVID right now. So for me to be able to dampen the bad noise and increase actually what my psyche knows I'm capable of, I had to revisit, you know, my subconscious, which knew that actually you've been here before, you can manage scenarios that are uncertain and actually everything's going to be okay in the end. You just need to be comfortable knowing that. And I could see the light at the end of the tunnel. Now, I'm not suggesting that everybody goes for hypnotherapy, although I would say if you don't, you really don't know what you're missing. Um, But what I'm saying is I'm now prepared to pay for hypnotherapy. It was like having a, a weight lifted off my shoulders. I got clarity and I was able to be more mindful in the way that I would make my decisions. So I'm feeling much more confident now. So yeah, I think that was it. So I think it would be fair to actually name this gentleman because uh, he's done some good for you. And I'll put a link right. to his uh, his website as well. I didn't know we were going to talk about hypnotherapy, but yeah. uh, if he's done some good for you and you are a straight talking mean business lady as well. So what's his name? So it was Steve and he's, I'll have to find you the shout out, but he's just posted something today. We'll get his details. It's executive hypnotist. That's what his business is called, executivehypnotist.com. Fantastic. Thank you very much for for sharing how you actually went through some of the personal challenges and actually sharing the fact that you did go through some some of the personal challenges. So it seems to me that because you're so community focused and you put yourselves in the feet of your customer, and that's quite a challenge for some businesses to do, you're able to actually come up with a new solution. You're able to pivot around your business model and offer something that you may well have wanted to at some point but you were this pandemic speeded you to that solution and what i like is that you're not going for perfection here you're going to serve your customer and that means you get yourself ready to be there for them and that isn't about perfection it's about being available yeah exactly i was just going to say i think we can learn a lot from that process because ultimately you know we did want to have more of a digital presence in the future so all i'm doing is fast forwarding that was always intended because for me my customers i've always wanted the reach and that's the biggest challenge we've always had is so the idea of us is actually in it to innate because you know the questions were events are where can we have these where can we find these so ultimately even the reason for retail is driven by you know wanting to do the right thing by that customer so actually for us digital is just creating another element of reach and understanding now is it the right product because we could when we send out these parcels you know we'll just gain a lot of feedback so it's not ideal but I think you know there's a lot to be learned from what's going on right now and I think people can see when you're being genuine with your intent and we really genuinely, you know, that that's all that's really important to us. Well, I think this is the best time to try something new because nobody expects you to have a polished product out there. If the packaging isn't perfect, if the printouts that you include in it are not perfect and there's a typo, nobody's going to criticise you for trying because everybody knows that things are difficult. What I'm struggling with with when companies are just bombarding with me with sales messages all the time and they are, I'm not taking into account the strange situations that we're going through and they're treating it as business as normal. I think it's right and fair that businesses do their marketing and say, 
you know what, despite this horrible situation, we've got bills to pay, we've got wages to pay, we've got people who work for us, we need to keep moving. But I think it's, you've got to have a sense of humanity about yourself and be conscious that people are going through hugely different situations. But you you have a very clear focus on who your audience is and who, it's not an audience, it's actually a community, it's a real community and you're part of that community because you have the same issues as well. And because you build a relationship with them, they're, they're going to be totally fine. And the other thing is you're putting yourselves out there and say, hey, business was, was going to go through this per- difficult situation, but I've had to adapt. And I'd like you to be part of that, that change process and that innovation process. And, and please give us your feedback. So I think that's putting you in a leadership position because you're doing something from the heart and you're being open to have that feedback rather than saying, hey, buy this off me, buy this off me, buy this off me. And that comes across as just being totally salesy. But you're coming from a point of view, this is what I would want to have happened to me if I was on the other end of that email or that letter. So I think that's truly authentic leadership. I certainly hope that your customers support you in that process. I'm glad to have been part of you vocalizing that. I think the inspiration for the entrepreneurs here is that if you come from the point of view of your audience and your mission, make a bloody decision. Make a decision that you feel that your audience, if you were in that position, would resonate with. And don't worry about getting it right, being perfect and making a mistake. Go and try. Now is the time that we can make mistakes and nobody's going to criticize us if we do it from the right intent. What's the future hold for you in your business? Where do you think you'll be when we come out of pandemic? Well, I think everybody's really uncertain right now. And actually, we were on the verge of, of just buying a premises that's more local because um, those people who are familiar with my business, um, we actually manufacture, believe it or not, in Chester, which is obviously miles away from the West Midlands, um, purely because it's totally an allergen-free environment. And um, we were just about to make the leap of, of actually having our own premises in the Midlands. So um, it's all been put on hold. Um, so it'd be interesting to see whether that continues and what that looks like. I'm sure it will, because knowing me as I do, I'm very determined. Um, so if I put my heart, if I set my heart on something, because I think it's the right thing for the business and for us as a, a company, I will do it. And yeah, I think more more than anything, probably we're going to learn a lot. Um, we're going to perhaps contribute more. For us, it's about helping people to understand more about what we are about and communicate that a bit more. Um, and then leverage, you know, what we know about. We're very lucky um, coming from a food origin that has naturally helpful ingredients to health um so you know lots of um, supportive ingredients that we use but we don't talk about so much so i think along with what we're doing um the future will probably end up being a bit more about why we exist why we make the foods the way that we do um you know and and really sharing the story more and then hopefully the digital side of our business will be nailed by the end of this because if, if doing all of this digital and having all of this, you know, new SEO work going on and, you know, investing in um, the important things that you do need to in order to make sure your website's perfect. If that doesn't work now, it never will. So, <laughs> you know, a really great digital strategy, I would imagine, is going to be the output of this. And then going back through, hopefully, you know, revisiting where we were before but in the new world that we'll all live in because the world has changed it's shifted 
Um, and I just would encourage everybody to just have a shift in mindset yourself as well. Just recognize what's going on around you and recognize how you can be a part of it because there's always value you can give. Um, it's just about understanding what your skills are, what you bring, and really, you know, focusing in on how you can help other people with that. Because once you understand what it is you want to do, mm-hmm. there's nothing that can stop you. Yeah. Amazing words. Thank you very much for sharing your journey and those words of inspiration and being open to talk about the challenges you're going through. Can you tell us how we find you and your products if somebody's got a watering mouth after this conversation? <laughs> sure. Um, so we are called Green Sisters, as you know. Um, you can visit our website, www.greensisters.co.uk. Alternatively, if you're one of the new age Gen Z bod, um, you're probably going to go on uh, Instagram or a social media. So we are Green Sisters underscore on Twitter and Green Sisters underscore official on Facebook and Instagram. But I'm guessing you're all going to be Instagrammers. So Green Sisters underscore official, and there'll be a link through to our website there as well. So take a look, find out what we're doing. Fantastic. I will make sure I uh, put those links at the end of this podcast. Thank you. And and I'm now going to go and eat something and, <laughs> because my mouth is watering and I have a cup of tea. So thank you very much for being part of the Entrepreneurs Trust podcast. And listener, hope you've enjoyed it. I would love you, for you to have a look at Green Sisters and get the opportunity to try their food. And please leave me some feedback on this podcast as well. And hope to to have you join us on the next one. Thank you very much. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. Thank you for sharing your time with us. Please let me know what you think through the feedback options. If you have any questions, please do get in touch. Until next time, this is Asim Ishak from the Entrepreneurs Trust podcast. Goodbye, take care, and stay really, really well.